our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word, which brings us great comfort in these last days. Comfort knowing that we will live forever with you because of Christ and what he has done, and that he has raised from the dead that we too will raise with him. We thank you, Lord, too, that you give us great comfort through these things. They will be with you and with our loved ones and those in the faith. May you sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, when you have a rough day at work, maybe a rough day with your family or a rough day at doing anything, what are some of the things that you normally do? I know for me, when I have a rough day or a stressful day or a busy day, I like to have some comfort at the end of the day. And so I like to eat some comfort food. Whether that's the best thing for me, probably not, but it comforts me a little bit. Or maybe I just like to lay down on the couch and just rest for a few moments to catch my breath from all the busyness of life, all the things that are thrown our way, the responsibilities, the, all the things that we have to take care of. Maybe you just like to rest. When the kids go to bed, sometimes I may stay up a little too late because I finally have some quiet time, some comfort to rejuvenate. In our text this morning, Paul tells us of a time when these believers in Thessalonia are dealing with the death of their friends and their beloved and their, maybe their family members and they're dealing with this. What is going to bring them comfort? How are we to find comfort when a loved one dies? a spouse, a friend, a father, or even a child? How are we to find comfort in times like those? In his letter to the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians recognize that they, or Paul recognizes that they have a great love for one another. He praises them for how they love each other, and he wants them to do it more and more and increase in that. He says, now about your love for one another, your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. This is what he writes right before our epistle lesson this morning. Reminding them of, and just him encouraging them to continue in this great love that they have for one another. And so Paul is going to deal and answer with some concerns that the Thessalonians have. Where are they going to see their loved ones again? What happens when they die? These questions we ask even today. Are they going to be with them again? So Paul's objective here with the people in Thessalonica, it's not easy for me to say that apparently. Paul's objective here is to give them God's word and comfort them in this great time of concern. 
we're going to see that God's word is our ultimate comfort. God's word is comforting. <laughs> Therefore, we should hold fast to God's word so that we're not, as Paul says in our epistle lesson, ignorant of it in the most dire of times and therefore have no hope. But as we hold on to it and gladly hear and learn it, his word will give us a great hope and comfort during any challenge, any trial, and especially during these last days. In this passage, Paul addresses some things that are of interest to all of Christians. These are the as I said, these last three Sundays of the church here are dealing with eschatological things, end times things. These are very popular to talk about. I remember one of the first churches I went to in seminary, they, they have you go out and preach once in a while. And as I was leaving this church, a woman came out to talk to me. Why don't we talk more about end times things? I wasn't this lady's pastor. I was just a seminarian filling in for the pastor. I had gently guided her to ask her pastor that question. But she was very angry because she thinks that this, these things are not talked about enough. And I think the reason behind it was because she had been influenced so much about false theology concerning the end times. And when you're consumed with that, that's all you want to talk about. So we're going to deal with some of these questions and some of these important questions that come up, especially as we see around us in our world such chaos, such tribulation, the wars and rumors of wars, and death that surrounds us. We're reminded that we're living in the last days. As scriptures tell us in the first chapter of Hebrews, in these last days, God spoke to us in his son. What are these last days? The last days are the period of Christ's ascension into heaven until his final coming. It's been a long time, these last days. But these are the last days. And Paul teaches the Thessalonians how to live and hope in these last days. How to live and hope in these last days. When I was a kid, I remember a great fad among evangelical Christians. I could remember walking in the homes of many of my friends and seeing on their parents' bookshelves a series of books. I could, almost every home had these books. Left behind. There they were, all the volumes. Reading them like it's the Bible. It's fiction. But great fiction, because it has great drama. I won't lie there. These books are there, a fictional account of what many believed to be true. And the series is aptly titled and is based on the false theology of the rapture. The rapture of believers into the sky, into the clouds, as our texts say. Yes, the Lord will gather us up into the clouds. But they use this verse and revelation dealing with the millennium in a very wrong way that gives us no hope, no comfort. The book encapsulates this false theology of 
that many church bodies hold on to. It's called dispensational premillennialism. It's a fancy word. Dispensational premillennialism. All having to do with one's view of the return of Christ. What will happen when Christ returns? What will happen with this church as believers? Will Christ reign on earth for a literal thousand years? They falsely teach that Jesus will rapture his church on earth from the earth before a seven-year period of intense tribulation, a fulfillment of God's wrath. And after these seven years, they teach that Jesus will set up his millennial reign on earth, his thousand years. And after the thousand years, Satan will be loosed, deceive the nations, gather an army and deceive people and take that battle to the Lord. And this battle will end with the judgment of the wicked and Satan and the entrance of the righteous into the state of the glory. There's a lot there. We could go on and on about this. Dispensational premillennialism is, is made for the movies. It makes for a great movie. And they did turn these into movies. However, it is not biblical and it absolutely brings no hope. Your hope is focused on this world in that theology rather than on Christ and the world to come. Could you imagine being one of the left behind? Seeing your family disappear and their clothes fall behind. I thought I believed. I thought I had faith. What's going to happen to me now? Where are you going to look? Are you going to look to Christ or look inward? And what happened? What did I do wrong? Is that going to bring hope and comfort? It's going to bring fear. It's going to bring anxious thoughts into your mind of what happens next now. And is this going to cause you to trust in God's word or search for some other answers outside of God? And as I said, I believe it would be the latter. You would, so, you would be so gripped with fear that you would turn to everything except God. And in fact, you might even be angry with God. Take that picture. Isn't that how we look when we don't hold on to God's word? Isn't that how we look when we don't hold on to God's word to comfort us and give us hope in times of trial and distress and difficulties? Maybe we look scared, frantic, anxious, angry individuals running around, hating God because we're so worldly focused instead of focused on his word. We lost all comfort because we lost the thing that gives us comfort. Remember how Paul told them how to live just prior to our lesson. If you go look above our lesson in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, he says this. He says to continue in your love for one another, to lead a quiet life, and to attend to your own business and work with your hands, just as we instructed you. 
Can we live that type of life with no hope? Can we live this type of life when we're filled with fear? No. We're going to we're going to look to all other things to try to get that hope, but it's not going to come. St. Paul tells us how we can live that life of quiet life, working with our heads down and not being so worked up about the things around us in the world. We should be concerned and know about them, but our hope is built on Christ's word so that when it comes our way, we can stand firm. Paul tells us how we can have that hope. First, he deals with this. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with them, with him, those who sleep in Jesus. Paul is reminding them of the resurrection. God wants life. All from, even from the beginning in Genesis, God promises life. Even after the fall of man into sin, God promises life. In Genesis 3.15, we have the first gospel promise that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Restoring that relationship with God's people to himself through the Messiah, through Jesus. And every time God says to his people, I will be your God, God is promising life, hinting at the resurrection. When Jesus, during his last days, his earthly ministry, the Sadducees came to him, testing him and trying to let the people know that you probably shouldn't follow him. They're testing him on the resurrection because the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. Jesus pointed out to them that I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but the living. He's the God of the living. And we too will raise with Christ. In fact, in our baptisms, we were buried with Christ and risen anew, given new life. And at the end day, when he comes again, we too who have died will be resurrected. We will resurrect with new bodies, new life. We can have hope even in the midst of the worst of pictures that surround us, in the midst of war, in the midst of chaos. We have hope in the resurrection. We have the hope of life eternal where there is no more war, there is no more danger. There is no more sadness, no more of any of those things. When we're connected to the word and that truth, we have great hope. Knowing this life may end in, a, in death, we have life everlasting in Christ. And then Paul goes on to say, as these Thessalonians are worried about those who have passed before them, will they be with them? Is there going to be a long time period where they're left behind on the earth and they're up in heaven? For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God 
and the dead will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, with the dead. It says the dead will rise first. There's really no time, lapse of time here. They will rise, and you will rise, and you'll be together with them in the clouds, with the Lord in the air, preserving his holy Christian church from the destruction he's going to bring on the earth to make a new heaven and a new earth. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You will have life eternal. You will be resurrected, and all the church will be gathered together under and around his protection. Christ's word gives us comfort. When we have a busy day or stressful day, we like to find comfort and relax in some way, and that's good. But we must remember that the only thing that really truly brings us comfort is God's word. And he wants to give you that comfort. He wants to bring you to his house to hear his holy word and to comfort you as you leave these doors and the world around you is swirling with chaos. Know that you will live with him forever. You will be resurrected. You will be with the saints. Christ is coming again and the church will gather with him in the clouds and he will judge the, the heavens and the earth but in Christ, we will be found righteous because of faith in Christ. And we'll have the righteousness of Christ. And therefore, we will be with him forever. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly so that your hope and your comfort may increase evermore. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please rise for the blessing. Now may the grace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep and guard your hearts in Christ Jesus, to life everlasting. Amen. Remain standing for the prayer. O oh Lord, you know the plans that you have for us even when we do not. Teach us to trust in your promises, leaving our future to your care and walking with wisdom in your heavenly way, even while here on earth. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Lord of hosts, you call your pastors to steadfast and holy lives as examples to your people. Edify them in their vocation and inspire your saints to follow after them in the way of our Savior. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, Solomon taught his sons a wisdom that turns from the proud and hates evil. Build our homes upon this holy foundation and bless our children with fruitful and godly lives. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. King of kings. The rulers of this world, we are to be your ministers for good. Grant them the wisdom of Solomon that they may decree justice and relegate every pride and evil from our land. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. 
Heavenly Father, you made us in your image, and whatever we have belongs to you. Let us treasure your word above our money and render both our taxes and our tithes with thanksgiving as citizens of earth and heaven. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Almighty God, grant healing and protection to those in need, especially those in our midst. May you comfort them in any affliction and trial. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, that which our flesh desires cannot compare with your gift of wisdom. Preserve us from treasuring the jewels and riches of this life. Instead, let us place our trust in the priceless treasure of your Son, even Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> 